This is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episode. In this episode, we hear Jeff talk about why he's so newsworthy all of a sudden. Enjoy. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Going Soft on the State Broadcasting Thing. That's right. Suddenly, it's not doesn't feel like so bad of an idea, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we've been hard. Maybe we've been a little hard on them for a while. You know, no, just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, uh, I think twice in a row I have done solo episodes. Oh, no, no, no. One of them wasn't solo. I've done two episodes excoriating a piece from the CBC. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, uh, and they, they returned the favor by covering me in print, radio, and TV. Uh, so, <laughs> well, you know. So, <laughs> by the way, it is also not difficult to find me saying that they should be sold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe they're just sucking up to you. You know, like uh, they, they feel they feel the power of the Jeff. Uh, critiques their numbers that, went down massively really after Jeff critiqued them and so now they're just trying to you know get back into his good graces yeah <laughs> look I've, I've made it clear I, I can be bought um, it, 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 it it might work they should keep trying you know we, we've we've often said that I mean you know if yeah. you just if anyone wants to advertise, we will sell your product like crazy. You just, you know, just just give us your money. We'll take it. Uh. <laughs> I mean, we have been known to sell like crazy products that don't advertise with us at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. For uh, On occasion. <laughs> so, so, so think of how much more we would sell like crazy. <laughs> if you think we shill for free. Think about how much yeah. it would, we would do for for price. <laughs> uh, so speaking of which, Drosselmeyer on the Watchers Row. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know, yeah, we 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 can be bought. Um, uh, that that issue will be coming up again later as in the uh, well later this week in our full episode. Uh, <laughs> We, uh, but you know, right now we're still, we're still working for free. We are still unbought. And so we will preamble on what we want to talk about, uh, in the meantime, uh, until you go to buy me uh, slash fly over and buy us. But, <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, actually it fits. Never mind. Um, so, <laughs> uh, uh, what's going on in the world? Uh, Jeff. Um, yeah, well, we were just talking about in the, uh, in the pre, pre, pre ambling, uh, that, uh, it's, it's looking very world war one-y all of a sudden over, over in Ukraine. And, um, I don't want to think about the implications of world war one, but with nukes. Um, yeah. Adults in the room. So I'm sorry. Adults in the room. Yeah, yeah, it's the adults in the room. They're they're uh, they're serving us well here. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, that's the. Uh, but. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything super uh, super interesting to say uh, about that. Uh, beyond that, did the um, did the Trudeau um, sort of? Um, I guess it was a bit of a Rorschach test showdown with. With she happened before, or after we talked about the, the Trudeau she thing. Oh gosh, I think that was before. Was it before? <clears throat> sorry, Has sorry, that already we happened? No, sorry, we talked about it before that. That was we interesting, it wasn't that. it? Yeah, yeah. Where she kind of okay. dressed him down that, in front of cameras. Think, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we've talked about it. I don't think we had talked about that. Uh, I don't think. I'm pretty sure we didn't talk about no. any other episode. I agree with you that I think that was because we recorded the episode before it happened. Yeah, and you and I haven't talked about it, so I couldn't necessarily yeah. place it. But yeah, but yeah. She dresses him down on right. camera in front of witnesses, and the Trudeau yeah. just kind of walks off like a puppy with yeah. his tail between its legs. Yeah, that was my read of it too. Like I thought, I thought he did poorly in that exchange, but apparently. If you were predisposed to like him, you thought he did hate and defended democracy and like I don't see get it. I I I will give him this grandile they were talking. He didn't turn his feet away or 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 lower his posture or anything. And he's a lot taller than she. So, yeah. um, so he didn't, um, he didn't do anything like that. Um, while, while they were talking, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's the body language. As soon as it was over that to me communicated, he knows he got whooped. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, apparently, I, yeah, I don't know how you get apparently it's, something it's, I don't know how you can walk that. What could watch that exchange and think that he came out the better? It's it's kind of like the way that Democrats I don't, do this. And, and by the way, I don't think people outside of Canada did. Yeah, <laughs> I I think I think it's only in Canada that that people had that read. Yeah, it. Yeah, it, it certainly. It was an interesting exchange, uh, especially in light of all of that that's been coming out that we have talked about about um, yeah. Chinese influence on uh, Trudeau in general, that that this dressing down happens very publicly and very deliberately. Um, and then Trudeau just kind of, man, he, he did not, just turns him on his heels and walks out. But yeah, that was, that was a weird interchange. I, I agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh so yeah i i don't i don't have a ton to say about it other than it's worth it's worth us mentioning just because we did at some the, about the chinese influence on canadian law um yeah. that still hasn't <laughs> nothing changed uh 
been no more revelations with regard that subject. Um, it, uh, it seems, um, uh, and, and it seems unlikely that Trudeau is going to want to go another round in front of cameras. Yep. With she after that to me, I, it, again, uh, maybe he will listen to, um, whatever the, uh, opposite of the nattering nabobs of negativity are, <laughs> that are all the yes men gathered around him. Um, uh, the kind of yes men who told him, yeah, you should say something to the effect of it's fine to protest, but not for a change in government policy. <laughs> that ain't it chief. <laughs> uh, he definitely was not advised to say that because he immediately realized that it sounded stupid and started, started trying to backpedal, but he has no, like it, it, it it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He, he and definitely true in this case. It wasn't. It wasn't really a gaffe in the sense that that is kind of what he wants to say. Right. That is kind of what he what he has to believe to be able to make. Of course, he's not. He can't be consistent because um, when uh, pipeline protesters block critical infrastructure that has been approved by his government um and and uh i they don't come out with the emergencies act to <laughs> uh to freeze their bank accounts and um and so um so he he can't be consistent with it but ultimately ultimately he does mean that that trying to change a government policy from the right is not allowed when it becomes sufficiently disruptive, yeah. at least. Um, not so from the left. Like The closest thing to an argument that I've had is that the the Border blockades were hurting the economy, which is not actually a great argument because apparently they were letting through a lot of the economically essential <laughs> travel. Um, but but that the uh, that the border blockades were hurting the economy uh, mm. and embarrassing. Canada with the United States, which that I kind of believe, mm -hmm. um, that he felt embarrassed with his counterparts in the past. That I get. I believe he there. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, that uh, so that's the closest, but closest to uh, the, the critical activity, critical economic activity. But pipeline 
for critical economic activity. Not activity. So activists block those all the time when they have been explicitly allowed by the government. Unlike things coming across the border in a truck. I mean, although I guess because it's coming across the border, I guess technically it is being explicitly allowed by the government. But but unlike unlike things coming across the border in a, in a truck, um, the government didn't spend 90 months approving <laughs> this thing. Uh, and and so 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 like his own government has already explicitly said these pipelines are okay and then eco activists block them and nothing happens often mm-hmm. eco activists pretending that they're speaking for the aboriginal or the first nations uh tribes when they aren't when the when the first nations are in favor of the project. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so... Well, I mean... Which, by the that's, way, is that's technically... Just what, that's just what white people do, is we get yeah. offended on behalf of other uh, cultures and races. That's what we do. <laughs> and, and technically... Um, that is also an international incident, at least according to Trudeau's rhetoric. He speaks of the uh, First Nations as being independent nations, and and as as have and as Canada having a nation to nation relationship with them. That is not how his policies actually operate. <laughs> they 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 do not have the autonomy to yeah. operate as independent nations. I I would actually greatly favor that. Um, uh, and uh, and I would even favor that with us continuing to pay them for a little while. Go ahead and go ahead and keep the payments flowing for a little while with the understanding you guys are autonomous now and the payments are going to stop because it's going to be your job. <laughs> um, but we'll let it we'll let it keep going for a little while, maybe taper it off um, to to not make you guys restructure how your revenue works overnight. Um, but, uh, so I'd be willing, I'd be willing to just get totally robbed in the deal (laughs) to, to transition to, uh, the first nations being actual nations with, with actual national authority. Uh, because as I may have mentioned, I'm a decentralist and I, I like it when I like it when stuff like that happens just on principle. Is that a thing that we do? Yeah, that's a thing we do. Um, (laughs) and, uh. Um, so by the way, I, in, um, in Alberta's case, I want Alberta to become independent and the payments to the rest of the nation to stop (laughs) slight difference. Um, (laughs) I do not want, I do not want the, the payments to continue in either direction, which is net out 
of Alberta. Um, but uh, um, but uh, oh yes, we should mention by the way that uh, the Alberta Sovereignty Act has been renamed as of Tuesday of last week uh, or Tuesday, the, the most recent Tuesday we have already had as we record. Um, the, uh, the Alberta Sovereignty Act has been renamed the Alberta Sovereignty Within a United Canada Act. Not my favorite renaming. <laughs> um, seems like Randy came up with the name. Yeah, yeah. Not quite as long as the last name Randy came up with, but but getting there. <laughs> oh yeah. I look. If if all it is it's is the catchy. name, if all it is is the name, and and I've I've heard from I've heard from some people who've seen it, <laughs> and and who say it's good. Don't worry. Um. So. It hasn't been tabled yet. It's not public yet, but um, but I, I've heard from some people who've worked on it who say, "Don't worry, it's it's good. It's what we were, it's what we were hoping for." Um, so I'll if all it is is the name, it's fine. But man, does she sometimes make me wonder? <laughs> She, like where she is on anything at any given moment. Uh, she, a little bit of snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory going on. Yeah. Like getting elected yeah. with a mandate on a great platform and then like softening the edges of everything. Hmm. Well, okay. So I think, I think part of what's going on here is she wants to pass it before the next election and in a in a westminster style system if you haven't actually gone to the people and gotten a a direct mandate from the general electorate because she's only gotten a mandate from the party oh sure so so if you haven't gone to the people and gotten a, a mandate from the general electorate you generally hold off on big swings Sure. And okay. and you, and so you'll run on them. You'll run on them if you really want to do it. You run on it, and and if you win, then you say you got a mandate to do that thing. Um. And and so. Uh, so, I guess I guess I kind of understand it if she wants to present it as, guys, this isn't such a big deal. Which I can understand the argument that it's not. It's just, it's just Alberta saying. We want to follow the Constitution. And we think the Constitution isn't being followed. So we are designing a formal process to say, we don't think the Constitution is being followed in this case. And therefore, we're not going to enforce your laws. Like that's, if that's, um, and, and, and I think, I think the argument that that's not actually so radical is true. It's treated as radical by the corporate press. It's treated as radical by, um, uh, it's treated as radical by the radical center, <laughs> um, uh, the the adults in the room, uh, as previously referenced. 
who are going to blow up the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's not actually that radical. So if, if this is all just going to play this a little more reasonably, <laughs> um, and Hey, if people are afraid of the word sovereignty and it sounds too much like independence, then, then we'll just put, this is not independence in the name, which, all right, fine. Like I'm ultimately for independence, but not right away. I think, I think, yeah. I think like if Alberta is independent, it's going to need to collect its own taxes and have its own police force and have its own pension, I guess. Um, and, and um, it's going to need to, but it will certainly need to have withdrawn from the Canada mm-hmm. pension plan. Um, and it, it's, it's going to need, it's going to need to have done all these things and have a process for deciding what federal laws count in Alberta and, and what we're going to go back to the drawing board on. Right. Cause like you, you, because in Canada, unlike the United States, there's actually not supposed to be a whole lot of overlap between the orders of government. It's supposed to be really clear which one it, now there is because it's gotten, especially on, on uh, trade and healthcare and the environment for sure has become a big one um, because that's supposed to be a provincial, that's supposed to be a provincial uh and you can argue, you can argue, okay, but environment is by definition a an international problem, uh, and and so you should move it up rather than down. Which, okay, fair argument. So let's have a constitutional convention, and you trade something away. Like the feds need to give us something if the feds want to make environmental rules, and. And as is typical at constitutional conventions, these are off-ramps and on-ramps for provinces. Whether a, whether a province wants to decide to um, leave confederation, a, a constitutional convention would typically be the opportunity to do that. So if Alberta um, feels that it didn't get didn't get enough for the uh, um, sorry your I, your plan I, with cameras well I thought and I thought I was putting the okay so this, this is a cool thing about the okay so my my camera is is a mevo so there's an app for adjusting it so this is what happened is I I thought I was closing the app but really it just moved the camera down to my belly button which is obnoxious. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now it's gonna do it again. How do I close? How do I close the app without? Oh boy. Anywho, uh, n- just just go on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought navel gazing was supposed to be at my own navel, not at yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, um. Uh, but yeah, so then a constitutional convention would be an opportunity for Alberta if they didn't like the deal uh, we were getting to 
take that as an off ramp. And every everyone would kind of recognize that even more. I mean, we've got a we've got a uh, we've got a constitutional path to leave Confederation firmly established because Quebec wanted one, and Quebec gets what Quebec wants. Um, and uh, and so. Um, so we've got a uh, we've got a constitutional path to leave the constitution already established. Um, but anyway, oh, the main point I was <laughs> Patrick says out preamble in navel gazing <laughs> <laughs> rebrand. From now on, the yeah. whole first uh, episode is going to be with cameras down, pointed at the uh, at the belly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it might take people a while to catch what they said because they were trying to match the rhythm of our bellies with our heads. Um, <laughs> well played, well played, <laughs> well done, well done. Patrick, that was not singing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the closest to rapping we're ever gonna get, but not singing. <laughs> not singing. Um, <laughs> um but uh uh anyway, the the reason I the reason I brought that part of it up though is um <laughs> that Alberta's gonna need a system for deciding which law which federal laws still count and which federal laws we're gonna rewrite and and all that kind of stuff. We're gonna need all that before independence so we might as well do it as a part of canada if we get if we get a deal that most people think is favorable enough that they want to stay then i might reluctantly be on board and then otherwise leave like so so i don't mind um i i I don't mind um taking these steps being very clear that that the intention is not immediate secession, um, but uh, but that yes, of course, we are expecting to get a better deal, and if we don't get a better deal, then obviously secession is on the table. I think I think that's where most Albertans are. Um, you know, Albertans are now polling above Quebecers as feeling like they don't belong in this country. Um, and, uh, have, and that's, that's been pretty consistent now, um, for a while. So, um, and I, and I, I think it, I think it will probably persist. I think I've said, I know I've said many times before, and I think I've said on this show that, that, I think the Conservative Party of Canada is going to have to win and the West still gets screwed again. That's already happened once. Um, but, but, but the Conservative Party, the, the Conservative Party got rid of the, um, the gun registry and got rid of the wheat board and, and, and got rid of a lot of the things that a liberal government would have eventually gotten rid of because because they were just so absurd by that point. Um, but it just so happened that a conservative government <laughs> um, and the conservative government appointed uh, Alberta's elected senators rather than rather than just appointing 
um, whoever they, whoever the prime minister wanted to choose, um, which is actually how our constitution works, which is why we don't have a real Senate um, in any meaningful sense. Um, and, um, uh, and we've, I think we've talked about this. Yeah. Um, having a Senate that's appointed by the legislature or by the premier or whatever, I'd prefer legislature, but having, having a Senate that's appointed by the provincial legislatures, A plus, let's do it. But not by the prime minister. So direct election of senators is actually a move in the right direction for us. Um, we've talked about how for the United States, um, we both think we both think that's part of where where things went wrong in the yeah. U.S. But but for Canada, that would be a step in the right direction, um, and would actually and would actually give the Senate a little more legitimacy so that they might actually stop some stupid laws instead of just deferring to the elected body. Um, and, uh, which yeah, on paper, they don't have to do, but, but they, they generally do because, because they're not elected because they don't have the same kind of perceived legitimacy that the, the house of commons does. Um, so, um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, anyway, I'm, um, I think, I think Alberta's premier is, is in general doing a pretty good job. I mean, I mean, certainly, uh, certainly the, uh, uh, the, uh, move she's made on mask mandates in schools, a plus full, full, Full marks, <laughs> definitely full. Getting full approval from here uh, for for just shutting down all that nonsense, um, and and um, and she's done it decisively enough that the school boards themselves have kind of said, "Yeah, that's right. It's it's um, school boards don't have the competency to make these kinds of decisions. Um, we don't have." We don't have health officials to advise us like the province does. Um, so, and you know, as as a decentralist, um, I I would I would generally say, well then, well then, well, here's what I would actually say. So then, lean on the hundred thousand health advisors that you do have. They're called parents. They are the experts in the health of their own children. Their own children are the people you're caring for. Why don't you, why don't you ask them? But since the school boards aren't doing that, I am totally okay with the province going, okay, school boards, no mass mandates. Um, sure, yeah. Because that's actually, that's actually returning things to, to the, Okay, so parents have the authority to if they tell their kid to wear a mask all day, then 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 great. But the but the school board does not have the authority mm -hmm. to tell a kid to wear a mask all day. Um, 
I don't think it's great, by the way, for a parent to tell their kid. To, I, I didn't mean it that way, <laughs> but I think it's a I think yeah. it's a bad idea. I think it's a bad idea personally, but I think the parent has but, the authority to yeah. do that. I think that is the that is the actual correct and competent authority to make that terrible decision. Yeah, not a school board. <laughs> right. The following conversation has been excerpted for Anarchist Bible Study episode eighty-five. But now back to preambling. At, at this point, like we, we've been going on for a while, but do you want to just kind of briefly touch on that um, issue uh, with the uh, update us on the the the, the school so issue we've been talking about? Speaking about bearing swords, yeah. Um, <laughs> we he was only thirteen year old, years old, so he had a little one, a knife, um, uh, and um, uh, so okay, I've talked. I've talked on the show before about the Calgary Board of Education wanting to close down a school for teen moms and move it into um, the worst neighborhood in Calgary, basically, except for the except for the extreme downtown core, I guess. Um, and um, and the school is currently, to be clear, pretty close to the downtown core, but not um, not in a particularly dangerous part, and actually in a uh, a quite nice neighborhood um, at the moment, um, and um, and so and and so we've talked about it before, and 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 we uh, and we said that the main point we had to make there is uh, that the the mercy of the wicked is cruel, <laughs> um, and uh, <coughs> so. Um, Two Tuesdays ago, um, a uh, a thirteen year old boy came into the the school that they're trying to move the Teen Mom program into, and stabbed another student. Um, this in the school that the Calgary Board of Education claimed is uh, the 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 violent that you're worried about it's in the past it doesn't doesn't happen anymore and anyone that's supposed to be able to get in will be able to get it um and uh there goes that theory also last um the if if they want to take public transit and a lot of them have to take public transit. So imagine taking public transit with a stroller and, and all that nonsense every day. Um, so, uh, so the, uh, the, the train stop they would actually have to take, which is one of the things they pointed out. So a lot of people didn't want to necessarily say that the school was unsafe. Um, but the girls themselves were pointing out that not only that a lot of them, they know the, this, some of them know this school, a lot of them know this neighborhood and that they experience bullying, harassment, all too often violence at the school. But that also the, the train station that they would have to use is uh, one of the most violent train stops and, and that, and that they're, there are 
all too often violent incidents there. Also, in the last two weeks, um, there has uh, there has been a man chasing a woman with a hatchet at that train stop, and a bizarre parody spaghetti western style showdown with between a, a guy with a, a knife, a guy with a pipe, and a guy with a flare gun. Um so all these claims about the unsafety um <laughs> or the lack of safety um uh for these for these girls have been proven abundantly true. <clears throat> um and and so um so fortunately by the way the um the boy who was stabbed is okay um he's he's recovering um doesn't seem to be any from 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 anything we've heard doesn't seem to be anything life altering um, which is fortunate, not not guaranteed, obviously, in that situation. Um, and um, and um, so one of the things that happened because uh, of this series of events is that one of the only well, the only organization I know of that was making the claim that this was an unsafe plan that the Calgary Board of Education was entering into um, was suddenly in high demand from media <laughs> um, because uh, because if you want someone to talk about the violence, it is probably good to talk about someone who said, hey, have you noticed these places are violent? Um, and uh, that you can find saying that before you start writing your story. Um, so, um, so we got a, we got a really good, um, round of coverage, including as we alluded to way back, um, hours ago in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, um, AKAs, um, uh, including the, uh, uh, Canada Broadcasting Corporation, uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the uh, the state broadcaster, um, I wrote us up in wrote us up in print. Um, uh, us, by the way, would be the Alberta Parents Union. For those of you who are who are new, uh, <laughs> stumbling upon us for the first time. First of all, apologies for leaving ourselves laying out like that, so that you could trip over us and. Uh, and uh, and second of all, uh, uh, my my real job is uh, is not uh, talking to Iwankev about uh, politics and theology. Although yet you can you can you can get us closer to making that my real job right. by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. I wasn't going to fail you there. That, I was going to pull that. <laughs> um, buymeacoffee.com slash flyover pay as little as one dollar a month. One dollar a month. These one dollars a month—they're—they're becoming so so useless at this point with inflation. Um, really, really, 
you are losing money by not giving us your one dollar a month right. to uh, uh, to get into our secret Discord, um, see see our our hidden YouTube chat uh, that would would likely um, get us kicked off of YouTube. Um, were were it were it more widely seen, um, and uh, yeah, so that uh, you can uh, you can get all that for the low low price of just one dollar a month um, at buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, my real job is uh, is uh, I'm the founder and executive director of the Alberta Parents Union, um, and uh, and so. So uh, yeah, so we were we were written up in um, in print. We uh, we got a, uh, I think I think a good bit of time on the radio. Actually, um, I think they uh, I, I think they ran it for a while. I didn't actually catch it myself, not being one who typically listens to the state broadcaster. <laughs> um, um, but uh, I think we got a good bit of time on the on the radio that we got covered, um, and. Um, uh, and I, uh, led the, well, didn't end up leading, got, got knocked down a bit by, by, uh, some other things, but I was the first guest on the, the six o'clock Calgary broadcasts, uh, for, for the CBC. So, uh, so, uh, anyway, got a, got a good bit of, uh, media from all that. And I, I, I mentioned all that just to, just to give some context that when I say, so then two people at church walk up to me and said, you're famous now. And they were both, they were both referring not to CBC, which neither of them had any idea I had been on because they don't watch it. <laughs> uh, but both of them were referring to uh, uh, the write-up of the same issue in, uh, uh, in uh, True North, which is a... Uh, conservative independent media that does not take Trudeau bailout money. Um, uh, and, uh, and so anyway, a little, little indicative of how uh, the theology might be shaping the politics at our church anyway. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, uh, uh, I, yeah, I bring that up just to, just to, just to point out that uh, um, still for a lot of people, um, <laughs> the uh, conservative independent media, which were the first people to cover us on this, by the way, they, they were, they were right on it. Um, the conservative independent media was actually where they, <laughs> where they, uh, where they saw this, but anyway. Um, and, uh, uh, so, uh, so yes. And, and, uh, coming full circle to, uh, Oh, this wasn't something we said on the air, uh, but, coming full circle to something that we didn't say on the air. Uh, sometimes it is worth it to do something just to, uh, just to tick off all the right people. And, um, uh, and so, um, so I, I was quickly able to get over any, any qualms I might've had over, over uh, supporting uh, the state broadcaster. When I thought about how would, um, how would the leaders of the Alberta teachers association react when they found out that I was interviewed as an expert by the CBC, I went, Oh no, this is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it for other reasons. That's not the only one. Uh, obviously I would like this decision to get uh, changed. Obviously I would like these girls not to have to go to a murder school. Um, uh, obviously uh, 
obviously I would like them not to have to go through the okay corral of hatchets and flare guns. Um, but, uh, uh, so, and, and, and it's also helpful for the organization, obviously. But even without all those things, it might've been worth it just, just, just to irk all the right people <laughs> that, that, uh, that I was being interviewed as, um, an expert on this issue and that the operative parents union was being taken seriously by the state broadcaster. Um, that, that, that might've been worth it just by itself. So, um, so yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> it, um, but, oh, and I did want to, the one other point I wanted to make about that is so that in response to one of the other reasons I mentioned all the media coverage so that in response to all this, and we sent out we sent out emails reminding people to email their their uh, uh, school board trustee, and the uh, the trustees have really circled the wagons. They're not saying anything, um, and um, and I can't decide I can't decide whether that's because they're going to come out and vote down the closure and relocation plan and say, you guys are crazy. We were never going to actually do it. Obviously you've got to, you've got to look at all the options and, you know, so uh, where did you ever get the idea that we were actually going to do this cockamamie idea? You know, so I can't decide if that's what they're going to do or if they're just going to circle the wagons, say nothing. So they can't say anything stupid and just pass the thing and hope people forget. Um, uh, so I can't decide which one they're going for, but the one little leak where someone broke ranks just slightly to answer one of the emails from one of my supporters gives me a little bit of a hint because, uh, because she goes, if you follow this link, you can go to our budget where it shows our actual capital reserves because um, one of the points I've been making is that the Calgary Board of Education has 40 million dollars in capital reserves um, and so that this this isn't really about money like they only need 10 according to their own accounting they only need about 10 um, they're way over partially because of COVID they got COVID funding that had to go into their capital budget and they they didn't use it um, and so, uh, and, and so partially because of COVID, partially because of other things, uh, partially because I think because of closing down, uh, not, not schools, actually, I think it's modular, um, trailers, let's, let's call it what it is, uh, like double wides <laughs> that they were using as, as modular units at schools. I think, I think that might be where some of the cost savings came from. I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, they've. Um, but at any rate, they've built this, this gigantic war chest where they're, they're carrying 40, 40 million, it's closer to 41 million, uh, dollars in just capital reserves, just, just reserves that they can only spend on building new schools, maintenance of existing schools. Um, and, uh, and so 
so that's been one of the main points I've been I've been making. Also, I've been making the point that there are, there are forty six uh, there are forty six schools that, by their own standard, should have been closed down before Louise Dean. Uh, if if they're worried worried about utilization rates, which was the excuse they were using, um, they haven't responded to that. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, but this one trustee, my trustee actually, <laughs> um, did did email back someone else and uh, and say, well, our actual capital reserves you can find by following this link. And I was really excited because. I tried to track down their their capital reserves and their financial reporting is a mess and it was so hard to find and I wasn't entirely sure that I'd found the right thing and and I and and it's the number seemed so big that I thought I must have made a mistake and I'm like oh, okay so finally I'm getting a a link to a a different uh, a different budget document because it was different. The one she was directing this person to, and so she actually directed him to a page, which is where I found the budget document that I read that was unreadable. Um, but then, uh, but then she told him to click on a different link on that page, which I had had no idea would even have the capital reserves on it, and and uh, um, and it was much easier to read. And I think she read it wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it says at the top of the column that she says contains their actual reserves. It says in thousands of dollars. And I think she missed that. And she thinks that they are only carrying $41,000 in capital reserves when they're carrying $41 million in capital reserves. I think that must be what she means because she says you can see our actual capital reserves here and then the number is higher than the one I've been quoting because I just rounded down. I, I figured I, I figured I'm I'm not helping anyone by <laughs> um by quoting a di more difficult number to remember that's that's more precise when I'm not entirely sure I've gotten this right. Um, <laughs> um so uh so anyway, but yeah, no, she points to an easier to read <laughs> uh, chart showing the exact same number that I got. Um, uh, but I think despite the fact that the chart was easier to read, uh, so, so it can only be, she can only mean two things. She can only mean this chart containing the exact same number that I found um, that, that she just read it wrong and read it read it as $41,000 when it's $41 million. Or she's insisting that even though the number I'm quoting is right there on that chart, and it is, it is there, that the number you should actually be using is their projected balance at the end of the year, which includes the money they're spending on relocating the school for teen moms. So no, you can't do it that way. You can't count. You can't double count. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, that way, and that that would be. That's not the question. The question is, how much do you have? How much do you have available to you now, while you're making this decision? Not how much do you project you will have after you have made this decision. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and so, 
anyway, so either way, either way, it's a bad argument. But I think she just missed that it's in thousands of dollars. I think she actually read that document, a, an elected official, a trustee who is supposed to be taking care of the money, actually read that document and thought that a school division that serves 100,000 students only has $41,000 in capital reserves somehow. And somehow did not think that is a giant emergency. <laughs> um, <laughs> because again, 10 million is what is the number they usually say is an emergency. If they're below 10 million, that's when they go screaming to the press that, that they're in trouble, that their reserves are, are low, that they're, that, that if a, uh, if a school ever catches fire, then every then then no one's ever going to be able to go to school again, and you know um, that that's um, uh, that's where they typically. Um, but um, but this is a first term trustee, so maybe she hasn't been around. Well, she hasn't been around for all that, and maybe maybe she doesn't obsessively read the paper. Uh, about anything that the Calgary Board of Education does, like I do, um, <laughs> um, and, and, and has for years. Uh, but uh, um, but anyway, uh, so so yeah. Either way, not a great look. Uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the attempted the attempted dodge um, there, and that's that's about that's about all that we've gotten from them, which makes me think that they might just be planning on pushing through. They might just be planning on, on going ahead with this. Um, which is kind of insane because anything they thought they could have accomplished with this is going to be so outweighed by the political ramifications of, like, all anyone has to say is, you sent teen moms to a murder school. And that's that's it. That's the end of the discussion. Like, I... I um, I got outside my own bubble. I took this. I took this. This petition that I'm running on this subject door to door, with as a just as a paper version. Took it door to door, just to see. I partially I just wanted to see, like, how would it do? Like, if you're just knocking on people's doors cold, they've never heard of this before. They don't support my organization. They're not being sent it by someone who thinks that they will. Like that's how my petitions normally spread, um, but but just you're knocking on the I'm knocking on their door. First time they're hearing about it, unless they've seen the media <laughs> uh, about it. But first, uh, but first time I'm making this pitch to them, um, they don't know me from Adam. Go up to their door, tell them about the situation. How will normal people react? And and it's. It's the easiest. I've knocked on a bunch of doors for a bunch of reasons. It's about the easiest sell I've ever made at a door <laughs> to get people to sign this petition. It's just so such a no-brainer um, from every perspective. In fact, one of the first one of the first people who signed the paper version. No, the very first person ever who signed the paper version of the petition uh, said. Uh, so where are the alt-right pro-birthers on this thing? Why aren't they, why aren't they the ones pushing? <laughs> and, and it was 
everything within my power to not go, ta-da, right here. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, no matter, no matter your perspective, it, it's, it's just such a no-brainer. So I really think they have, if they think they can push this through, they've under, underestimated how stupid this decision is. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see them all, uh, go down in the next election if if that's what happens but um but uh uh but anyway um so uh so yeah terrible situation don't mean to make light of it um but uh i thought that's that's become such a big uh, a big thing for me and my organization and and uh, um, and people people might have seen me talking about it on social media obviously and all that kind of stuff I thought um, and you can follow me by the way at, at jparkyyc uh, the yyc stands for Calgary um, that is that is the uh, that is the airport code for Calgary and and uh, and uh is the most popular abbreviation for Calgary, believe it or not, YYC. Yeah, I know. Anyway, um, so uh, at JParkYYC, though, is uh, where you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm even lower than Iowa Cap, I'm pretty sure. So if you're sympathetic to him, you should be extra sympathetic to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with that, I don't know. What do you think, Iowa Cap? Well, I think it's time for us to go to the bonus uh, for the week. So you're saying maybe that we've had enough, enough preambling? Not, not quite. Oh no! Oh no! That's not where we say where we say not this. Not quite. I'm sorry. We I am had teeing you up. Yet. I'm I am teeing you up for the wrong transition. So enough of everything else. Let's go to Drosselmeyer and the watch his <laughs> realm. Oh, to hear the rest, tune in to Anarchist Bible Study episode eighty-five point five. But now back to the show. All right, so we're back from that stimulating episode of the Statement of Theology. You're going to really like it um, or hate it, depending on which side of evangelicalism you are in. Um, but, <clears throat> but now it's a part of the episode that I know many of you tune in for specifically, and that is the book review. And we are specifically going through our friend Paul Thompson's book, Drosselmeyer, The Watcher's Realm, book two of his um, of his Nutcracker trilogy. Yes, this, this we, is indeed everyone's favorite part of the episode. <clears throat> the R A W J A J A T R D colon T W R B T T C A A T. Yes, we abbreviated it to save time. <laughs> That is correct. Uh, <laughs> okay, but um, so we got um, you basically actually, have but, to follow at Cap on Twitter and have been following him on October twenty fifth to get that joke. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, but actually, I got I got a chance to I recommended this to a couple of uh, my in laws over Thanksgiving break. So, 
um, they were talking about the Nutcracker, and they're like, "Oh, I'd really like to see that live." And I was like, "Well, I've got a little book right here. You should look it up." And they both took screenshots of it. So Paul might be sending some new uh, some new subscribers your way, or not subscribers, uh, customers <clears throat> your way. Um, but then we we're looking at chapters six and seven. Um, so Paul, Paul's managing to grow his fan base in Iowa without insulting them. <laughs> Uh, unlike the That's way right. we do with Texas and Ontario. That's right. Um, so where we left off, he had um, had a a run-in with Sylvia um, that resulted in Sylvia becoming no more. So really we're, we're at two down uh, as she, far as... She really, she really got burned in that interaction. Yeah! <laughs> yes um but um oh wait but then he he not left burned. the wedding not burned she becomes a pile of dust for some reason i thought it was a pile of ash well you know same thing close, close enough ashes to ashes dust to dust um but he, he he teleports back home so finally he's he's done with the traveling b- uh, the by carriage, and he goes back home, ports back in, um, and <laughs> verbally berates Doll a little bit, and then um, he he starts going. And the big thing that he took away from that interaction with Sylvia is this divine convergence. It was a big deal to Boria, and this was. This was the thing that he was pointing at, that he was looking for. And he just has no idea what this thing is. And he knows it's important, but he has to... But the only people who he knows who knows about it are dead. Boria and Sylvia. And he doesn't think he's going to learn about it from the other members of the Order. Uh, You know, Eric Honja and Glacinda. Um, But in asking... uh, in kind of verbalizing and asking doll um, what he should do. The doll turned his head and blinked and asked, are there any other wizards, sir? And, um, but he says something in doll's question nagged in the back of his mind. His mind wandered to a conversation about this years ago with Marzi and Andor. What had Marzi said about wizards? And set quotes. If you look at wizards powerful enough to do all that, there are three. Morton, Domocles, and Heron, Fritz shouted. The other wizards, that's their names, Dahl. That's what Marzi said. And then Dahl responded, very good, sir. That's it? Very good, sir? <laughs> Fritz gestured at the toy. I pulled three names like that out of thin air, and all you can give me is very good, sir? <laughs> so I, I really love uh, Drosselmeyer and Dahl's uh, interactions. Those are kind of my favorite uh, moments. <clears throat> But basically, he does figure. He figures out there are other wizards that he needs to figure out how to get to. So where does he look? He starts at Odentries. Um, but what does he find when he gets to Odentries? Oh, was this a question? Sorry, An that was a question because I was taking a drink. Got it. <laughs> I I handled that like a real. I am a professional Nailed podcaster. It. Um, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, well, he finds Agatha, 
Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and she's, uh, making friends and influencing people. Yeah. Odentries have been, been broken up and destroyed. Yeah. The, and then he, he checks in with, yeah, Agatha who's making friends. With, um, she is, she's being assaulted by guards and, uh, <clears throat> and it's taking like five of them to assault her effectively yeah, because, <laughs> because she's uh putting up quite a fight um but then fritz uh gets in the way yeah it says five actually yeah it is five yeah five <laughs> um gets in the way um and then he finds that one of the guards again is um little toby but he's very shocked to find well, another guard yeah. Who's the other guard that's involved in it? And one of them is Franz. Franz. Or Alex, as he is called by his adopted parents. This is the... This is a terrible moment of realization for Drosselmeyer, too, because he was about ready yeah. to just torch the whole lot of them. And then he sees his own brother. And... <clears throat> Fritz does not want to fight him. He wants to fight him. Uh, Alex wants to fight Drosselmeyer, but Fritz does not want to fight Franz. I'm using those 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 names uh, specifically right. because that's how they're thinking. And and it's eventually he has to spin his brother around into a chokehold, hold him until he goes limp. But it's just a heartbreaking scene to see. Like, um, yeah, it's just it's a very sad sad moment. And and just every time he goes back to um this 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 courtyard center area, it's just sad. Because more and more of that is being decimated. And you can see like the way tyranny mm -hmm. affects normal people is kind of how what this is illustrating is the way <clears throat> tyrants can kind of chip away at the character of of a of a of a town. And it's well, and, and one of the yeah. things you see is that... Yeah, and of youth. Yeah. And, and one of the things you see is that... Um, you know, the, the civil magistrate exists to restrain evil, but under tyranny, it can do the opposite. It can, it can empower evil, not just at the top, but down through the ranks. And we see that with uh, Amarov. Um, Amarov is not just obeying orders. Am Amarov is mm. Amarov is acting out his sadism. Yeah, and Amarov is the lieutenant in charge of them. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And in some ways, like it's also like the way it perverts Remember that excitement that Alex had or maybe at this point in that book. What? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. What? Maybe at this point, Lieutenant Emerov, what is he dead? I couldn't, you know, it's hard to tell. I, I couldn't tell for sure. Yeah. I won't be surprised we'll if, he if he shows up again. Later. I also won't be surprised if he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were making a point and I, I just no, but I got like, and also like I, the corruption of unsure. the youthful patriotism in Alex that yes. he wanted to 
Like you have right. in both Alex and Toby, you have kind of those two types of people who sign up for government service for good reasons, yeah. right? You have Alex who's got this sense of patriotism. Yeah. He wants to follow in his father's footsteps and, and, and serve his country. And now he's being used as a, as a bully and as a tyrant. <clears throat> and then Toby is that kid who just signed up for the military for the benefits, right? Yeah. And here he is. Cause he's just a poor kid who needs food. And you know what? He gets three square meals with the military police. And, but, and now he's being used to abuse the people who used to be kind to him. And, and this is, you know, this is the terrible reality of what tyrants do um, to the good meaning, the well-natured and well-intentioned people who sign up for their service. <clears throat> so I, I, yeah, I greatly appreciated that. And, um, And then after that, of course, um, he gets an envelope from Odentry that he had left with Agatha that he opens his envelope and he sees two words on a piece of paper. We'll see. Which is what he had said to Odentry before when he said, we asked him, would the order be getting involved in protecting them? And he just said, we'll see. And mm -hmm. Odentry took that to mean they would do nothing. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what he did. And I think this is going to, this hits him hard. Cause remember up to this point, what has Drosselmeyer been doing? He has been so focused on freeing his friends from that, from that, um, uh, from, from the, oh my God, like another word, uh, Celestine, the Celestine. Yeah. Celestine. 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 <clears throat> yes. He's been so focused on that. And it's really a selfish thing because he wa he just wants to be with the woman he loves. But he's been so obsessed with that that he hasn't seen what's been going on outside of his own doors. And and I think this was a, a stinging rebuke to him. And so while he is still pursuing, looking for ways to free them from the Celestine, he is... Uh, we're, we're seeing him get more involved and more interested. Um what's going on and so he uh he vanishes in a puff of smoke and appears before the new czar nikolaus it's our first we get um in, in this chapter the first face off between drosselmeyer and nikolaus since they left school and uh um there's uh, a <clears throat> And then something weird happens is that Mr. Peabody, the headmaster from his old school, walks out of uh, the hallway and he seems to be advising Niklaus. So there's some weird connection to the school going on here, right? And this is really the first weird connection to the school. We're going to get another one later on. <clears throat> Whereas before, like it seemed like this was a neutral site. It seems clear that... Yeah. It's not, and that there is something. There was something else going on at that school, um, that we're gonna, you know, that we're gonna see more of. Um, and of course, then Mrs. Fairchild, uh, Miss Peabody's secretary, pops out. Um, uh, 
And and, and he it's, it's interesting because then Fritz says the hair on the back of Fritz's neck stood up. Something was off and he resisted the urge to bolt. And then he says, yes, I was leaving. Fritz left them and traveled to the fountain plaza and Anna Dorn and sat near the trickling fountain until his heart slowed to a normal pace. So he could sense that there was something wrong and he did, but he didn't want to show weakness. And so he tries to leave page, uh, calmly, but there's more and more that's just not adding up here. That's more and more pieces that he's just not understanding. Why is Niklaus looking for gold? Uh, when that doesn't really matter. Um, <clears throat> like it doesn't have any magical properties. What is this divine convergence going on? Why are this? Why is what is the school's involvement in this? Um, and then, and so then he, uh, but then he still has to hunt down these, um, these other wizards. And so he 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 goes to a small pub. Um, <clears throat> where where he you know a seedy pub, where some of the underground magiclings would gather or underground people would gather and uh, his hope that he would um, get a hold of some of these wizards. Um, um, and then he gets uh, hit on by a prostitute, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. Um, there's kind of a, it is, this is kind of like the moment of, of temptation <clears throat> to, to uh, you know, he, he feels like this is a temptation to um, unfaithfulness toward Marzi. That's really um, what, what this kind of represents. And yet, this Katya, who uh, he interacts with, um, she... Um, she reacts. What is it? What is it? She says, um, what happens? I'm trying to remember. Um, it was, uh, well, oh yeah. She, um, she shows the sign of, what is it? Um, oh, right, right, right. Oh. So he, yeah, later. Yeah. She shows Sorry. the sign of a wizard's promise. Yeah. And, and he just reacts to that and says, wait, Hold on, where did you learn that? And so she is belonging apparently to some underground revolutionary network trying to undermine and, and overthrow the czar. And there is some kind of a wizard at the head of this organization. And so suddenly he is, <clears throat> he's very interested now in finding out who this person is and in meeting them. Um, and, uh, uh, her, trying attempts, to kill, her trying to kill it? him uh, pr probably also piques his curiosity. Uh, yeah, yeah. The fact that they're trying to kill him also, yeah, uh, because they <laughs> think that he's a spy from the Czar. <clears throat> um, but at the end of this uh, interchange, he does um, convince her that he's not with the Czar, and they arrange for a meeting. Uh, in what do they say? One week. Yeah, one week. one week. He's going to find out if he can meet this um this this person who who is leading the resistance. Um 
and, and hoping that it's one of these three wizards who knows uh, who's more powerful and knows uh, about the divine convergence <clears throat> um but yeah but that's that's chapter six chapter seven was just uh crazy um yeah <clears throat> so it starts off with um He he's starting to think about what is, what is it? Um, he finally realizes that he's never actually walked through the mansion; <laughs> that he's always only teleported between places that he wants to go. Which because um, in his conversation with Richard earlier, he had mentioned all of his um, all of Perrin's diaries that he kept extensive diaries. And he had never seen it because he'd never been in Perrin's room because he's always teleporting past it. And so he, uh, he, he walks and, through the. And as we all know from any video game, you can only fast travel to places you've already been. That's right. That's correct. And, and bypass a lot of things that you never see because you're fast traveling. Right. <clears throat> um, and so he's, he's bypassing a bunch of these rooms. And so he actually searches um, and he finds, um, he finds a room. Um, well, and he, he, kind finds, of, he kind of realizes that he doesn't actually have much of an idea how many rooms to expect. So this isn't in the text necessarily, but, but he starts realizing, oh, wait a second. This is like, this is not architecturally possible. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort yeah. Of <laughs> yeah, he so, knows that as well. There might be there might be all kinds of rooms he hasn't seen. And there's there's some magical things going on. Like yeah, he notices one of the rooms uh actually opens up into what should be his closet. Yeah. Like <clears throat> And so yeah, like there's some magical stuff going on and he 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 does at one point decide he needs to reinstate the uh the 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 um cleanup um the cleanup um, magic, whatever the spell that cleans the houses. Um, mm -hmm. But he does eventually find it. And he finds that one of the things that we learn about Perrin is that he was a very artistic person, very artistic person. Like he was, um, in, there's drawings and, 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 um, and while, while um, uh, Drosselmeyer has created doll, and he is capable of of carving. There's a host of wooden toys all over um, Perrin's room, and um, much more textured uh, hair, swords with painted jewels, and horses attached to carts. So we're seeing where the you know the the, the I'm I'm, I'm I'm I don't know a lot about the Nutcracker Ballet, but I'm already saying like oh okay connection there we go. Yeah. Um, but eventually he does find, um, he finds a large circular mirror and he realizes that he has recognized this mirror. This is the, O that he has always, that he formed that, 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 that hint that he left on the night that he died. 
the O on his on his button that he had left. It is the size of this mirror, shape of this mirror, and so he and color, draws. The color is what tips and the him color off. too. Yeah, that's and that's what tips him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the normal color of magic. It's the color of this mirror, and so he forms that O and pushes it toward him, and he sees this horrendous figure. Right. This this um. Uh, I want to I want to say like just a like like a demonic looking figure. It's it's a it's a what is it? It's a skull shape, skull shaped object. But more red... square. What's that? More square than a normal human head. So. Yeah. So and it, it had sp- everything a little off, long yeah. and straight body, arms hung lower than they should be. Fingers hanging like spider legs. And the pointer fingers are especially long. Hold that thought. Uh Um, Entirely unnatural being. Um, And it it feels like it's looking at him, he says. And then eventually, like, it seems like it's coming closer and closer to the mirror until Fritz breaks the spell by by pushing the mirror aside. And then it's behind that mirror he finds all of his <clears throat> all of his journals. Um uh and, and after re- he he reads through them for quite a while, but eventually he comes to uh, a series of entries entitled To Whom It May Concern. So it's not a normal journal entry. He's got this right. sense. Uh and in the these are in these entries he says he has a sense that whatever's about to happen, he's going to die, that he has come to the end of his life and he is leaving hints for whoever comes after him. Um, and, and, um, <clears throat> and we've, this is where we find, you know, some of for, for story, uh, Perrin was there for part of, and Perrin knew, some of Farouk's story of, of the, the, the being controlled. Um, and also we learned that Perrin actually knew about the, uh, that the, the, the magic covering St. Michael's was, was, was not working anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so Perrin was, was knew about it, but he never got to talk to Boria or Baroda about it. Um, And, and didn't this want is, to talk about it. Yeah. And um and then <clears throat> we he, he actually gives also we figure out where this what this mirror is pointing to is it's actually there's a corresponding mirror that he has put in Boria's secret lair and that it is pointing at a, his Celestine. Mm-hmm. So this Celestine that has been telling Boria when wizards are snapping is containing this wicked creature. So there's this wicked creature that that Boria has been communicating with, and there we see he is the one who's been telling him uh, about this divine convergence. 
and has been telling him about the gold. Right? Is that am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah. That um That's right. Yeah, that this creature is the one who's telling him to collect gold, giving him the plan that Nicklaus is following now to conquer the southern kingdom. And right. um and has promised Bori a great power and command of the demons warriors to accomplish this task. And then um <clears throat> and this and is telling him about this divine convergence. The demon seems not to care for anything but gold. And so this is some of the pictures are starting to come together or some of the pieces are starting to come together. Right? What'd you say? I, I was just agreeing. Um yeah. also also let's note that uh Perrin is concerned that the demon can travel through mirrors. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah. Which obviously we've already gotten a little bit of confirmation of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh, and then before the story ends, this is a really interesting thing. He goes to visit Ivanov's. Oh, yes. Um, and he finds not only has it been is it not the broken place that he had left, but it's been refixed. It's up and running and, and, <clears throat> and it's under new management. Um, because who's managing it now? Not Ivanov, but Mrs. Ms. Wakimba his old, uh, the teacher who assigned him, uh, the, the 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 thing that led to him learning about owls his 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 uh barn owl project um and what is and then what does she do as um he's he's prepared this magical spell but mrs wakimba who shouldn't see magic sees his uh, defense spell being put up. First backed up says, you can see magic? Ms. Wakimba laughed again. There is so much about this world you don't know, Mr. Drosselmeyer. It would be best if you just left us alone. And before the payoff... What's that? Before the payoff that's about to come here, um, remind me why she shouldn't be able to see magic? I don't remember. Um, because it's, that's part of what makes ma a wizard special is they can see and create magic is that that's not that's not a thing that oh normal people so she was do. a teacher at his school but she is not a wizard uh she shouldn't be no <laughs> okay <clears throat> yeah yeah hers, i mean the school wasn't for wizards like that just they just sent the wizards there <laughs> yeah right got it got it got it yeah 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 okay yeah 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 fair enough i was i was thinking too much harry potter yeah, right, right, right. Um, Fritz okay. watched, but then it says Fritz watched in amazement as her pointer fingers elongated into a sharp needle spear a foot longer than her other fingers, just like the figure in Perrin's mirror. 
His chest pounded and his breathing quickened. He stumbled back, mind racing. What are you? She raised her fingers and pointed them at Fritz. Would you like to find out? Fritz retreated from the protruding digits. The children in the room watched, unblinking eyes boring into him. He glanced around the room one last time and vanished in a puff of smoke. And that is the end of our chapters for this week. <clears throat> My voice was giving out as I was reading it, and so I, I th sorry for the or thank you for your patience, I should say. Um, but this is my gosh, it's getting, it's getting, it's about to pop off. Who are these creatures? Why do they? Why do they want gold? <clears throat> what are they? What are they doing? What does the divine convergence have to do with this? Who is the wizard who's in charge of the resistance? Uh, so many questions left to answer. Uh, what's going to happen with the rest of the order? Um, we still haven't figured out what's going to happen with the infinity rooms. So many questions. And we will come back to it again next week when we return to Drosselmeyer, The Watcher's Realm. Paul Thompson. Grab your copy because it is well worth the read. Grab a copy for yourself. Grab a copy for your friends. Grab three copies for your friends. And, uh, yeah. But you know what? I feel like we've come to a point in our conversation, Jeff. Where, where we, we say thank you for listening to R-A-W-J-A-J-A-T-R-D colon T-W-R-B-T-T-C-A-A-T which we have abbreviated to for your convenience. Thank you for listening. That's correct. <laughs> and we also say, <laughs> enough preambling. Let's get to the show. This has been Preambling. To hear more, tune into episode 85, Grace and Peace.